Hi, this is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fridays podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. My name is Sumit Roy, and I'm Senior Analyst for ETF.com. And I'm Jeff Benjamin, Wealth Management Editor for ETF.com. This week, we're talking with Tony Kelly, co-founder of Bond Blocks. Tony, thanks for joining us. Hey, Tony, how you doing? Uh, I want to start off with a question about Bond Blocks. I mean, it's a, obviously, it's a really cool name for an ETF issuer, but uh, what what exactly, give, give us a little bit of the backstory, if you would. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, name matters, right? And and as the name uh, implies, we are uh, in fixed income focused uh, ETF issuer. Um, we started back in 2022 with a suite of fixed income products. We've built out from a suite of high yield products um, and we've added emerging markets. We've added treasuries. And today we listed our first investment grade products. So we've got 23 products in the marketplace and we're fast approaching $3 billion in assets in just under two years since our initial launch. That's great. And I want to ask you more about specific products later, Tony. But before we get into that, I was looking through the materials on your website and I noticed that you say that you expect that fixed income is going to eventually represent 40% of the ETF market up from 20% today. Why do you think that is? Sure. You know, we've we spent a lot of time looking at this and we spent a lot of time thinking about this even before we launched the business. And a um, couple of things, a couple of factors. One is we've noticed the client adoption over the last half a dozen years has really picked up and really increased since the initial ETFs were launched in 2002. There's also been significant changes in the underlying market, fixed income market that has become much more uh, prone to electronic trading, basket trading. Um, so that drives a lot of institutions to sort of think differently about how they uh, trade uh, fixed income markets. They think in terms of baskets, which is analogous to ETFs. And we think institutions will continue to use ETFs in, a, uh, in an increasing way. Um, you know, the other reason that we think that the fixed income ETF market is prone for growth is that when we compare it to uh, the growth of the equity market, you know, you have to remember the equity ETFs were launched about 10 years before the fixed income market. And it really is tracking um, kind of the same growth trajectory and, and, and sort of growing at even a faster CAGR than the um, equity market is right now, kind of similar to where the equity ETFs were maybe about 10 years ago. So we think all of those basically point to uh, increased usage, increased assets. Um, and there's a gap in the market. There's a gap in terms of the number of fixed income products available for clients. When you look at the ratio of products relative to um, the sort of proliferation of products on the equity side, it's much less developed. So we think there's a lot of opportunity there to build out uh, more and more products for clients. Gotcha. This certainly does seem like a long-term secular trend, but it also seems like there's been an intense wave of interest starting, you know, in 2022, 2023, because interest rates have just been going through the roof until recently. We, of course, saw that big whoosh up to 5% in October of last year, and then it dropped pretty quickly down to 4% on the 10-year Treasury yield. What's your expectations for interest rates? Do you think that 
you know, we've peaked finally and we're going to be choppy from here? Or do you expect rates to eventually head back down to where they were in 2020, 2021, around two or three percent? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because that was one of the things we were discussing um, before we had launched Bondbox, right? That we had been in this very long term uh, decline of, of, of interest rates. Um, and there was also a very pretty long term um, period of, of just lower market volatility. And we kind of felt like those two things were bound to change. Um, and this was probably 2021 when we were kind of thinking about starting, starting this business, um, you know, timing's everything, right? So, so we certainly were, uh, right, I guess on, on the forecast, but, but couldn't have imagined how quickly interest rates were, were going to come up and, um, uh, how much the world was going to change in the next 12, 18 months. I think we're closer to sort of peak rates than 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 not. But um, our sort of our forecast is definitely rate cuts from here, like we would imagine that'll start here in 2024, but not expecting rates to get down to where it was in, you know, 2021, that, that we'll probably be kind of in a more normal interest rate environment where there's, there's uh, you know, coupons to be earned you know, from a fixed, fixed income investments. Let's go going back to kind of your, your brand a little bit, your value proposition is that you provide precision tools for fixed income. What specifically do you mean by precision tools and how do you see those tools being used by investors and, and financial advisors? Precision just means just that, right? It's sort of like a more granular view and, and maybe I can pick uh, our high yield ratings funds, for example, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, high yield and, and there have certainly been good products in the marketplace for a long time. But when you think about it from a ratings perspective, there really is sort of a market within each each one of these markets, right? The, the sort of double B's are very different, almost asset class than triple C's, which are the higher yielding portion of high yield. And from an investment perspective, we felt you know, the same way advisors think about building out their equity asset allocation in much more granular fashion than just, you know, broad bucket equities, right? The, the advisors allocate to large cap, mid cap, small cap, uh, maybe even by sector. Um, and the same um, dynamics, kind of the same drivers exist in the fixed income market, right? So, you know, on getting back to kind of high yield, if um You've got a negative outlook on on the market, you know, at, and you still want to be in high yield. Maybe you don't want to be in uh, triple C's. So with a uh, more precise exposures, more precision in, in the in the uh, products that you're using, you can build a portfolio that only gives exposures to double B's or single B's or the reverse that you think that uh, the outlook is is good and you want a more of a risk on kind of tilt. Then maybe you'd want to overweight triple C's and, and own more triple C's than you get in the broad products, which right now is about 10 or 12%. Maybe you'd want to double that allocation to 20% and have a more uh, risk on uh, profile. Tony, another category of ETF you have is your target, um, your target uh, maturity, uh, sorry, your target duration ETFs, which is obviously different than a lot of other bond ETFs that are out there that target maturities. Can you talk about, you know, how the target duration ETFs 
are different than target maturity ETFs and why they might be better for investors? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've um, heard from advisors through the years is one of the reasons that they use and allocate to fixed income uh, or treasury ETFs is to manage duration in their client's portfolio. And, and a pretty typical story that we hear from, from advisors is they've got a benchmark, maybe it's the ag, they build out the credit portion, maybe they select um, different investment grade ETFs to, to sort of get in those exposure, exposures. Then they've got the mortgage component, so they build that out some way, whether it's with mutual funds or whether it's directly buying the mortgage pools uh, or, or one of the ETFs. And then the final step in the portfolio management process is to make a decision relative to their benchmark uh, on duration. And, and do they want to match the duration to the ag? Do they want to extend duration? Do they want to shorten duration? And then they look to fixed income ETFs to, to help them do that. And the, you know, until we launched the duration focused products, it was kind of a two-step, somewhat indirect process where, where they were buying uh, ETFs that were focused on maturities that could have durations that drifted from, you know, seven to 10 years, let's say, in, 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 in the 7 to 10 year product. Um, so if what they want is a precise exposure at the 10 year uh, duration point, now they can get that um, through these products. And another um, group of ETFs that you have that I find interesting are the corporate bond ETFs tied to different sectors. You have one, for instance, for healthcare, technology. How are investors using these? Are you seeing demand for these products? Yeah, we're definitely seeing demand, and, and there's a lot of interest. I mean, admittedly, the growth has been a bit slower um, than, than we would like, but some of that is, you know, it's a function of these tools have never existed before. And... Um, advisors haven't been able to, and institutions haven't been able to basically invest this way in the past. So um, it definitely is a bit of a learning curve, but there are some institutions that are already uh, investing in them. And it makes sense, right? Like when you sort of think about, you know, the sort of different sectors within high yield, right? Energy is a very different sector with a very different set of risk profiles than healthcare. And maybe you wouldn't necessarily want one or the other or, or sort of feel differently about a particular sector. Uh, again, bringing it back to kind of the equity market. The equity markets have been doing this for, for years and years, right? Um, sort of allocating maybe not towards just the S&P 500, but maybe you know half of the sectors are overweighting some of the favorite sectors. High yield sectors have the same and, and a very interesting dispersion profile that um, the sectors are not as correlated um, as you might think, that that there really is a performance difference in the highest performing sector and the lowest performing sector in any given year. I want to ask you about a specific fund, the Bond Blocks USD High Yield Bond Sector Rotation ETF, ticker HYSA, uh, launched in September, has a little over 31 million, expense ratio of 55 basis points. How exactly does this strategy work, Tony? It's a great question. So that was, again, um, very much influenced by feedback that we received out after launching the initial high-yield sectors that advisors were interested in them, and they liked the idea, and they understood the research, that there's a dispersion in returns, but they just didn't have the capabilities of making those that selection on their own. 
um, and and we got the feedback that you know this is great, but is there any way that you guys can do this for us? So you know we basically sort of took it back to to the lab, if you will, and, and sort of thought about it and said, yeah, we could definitely do this, and we do it in a couple of different ways. We've worked with some model providers like Dorsey Wright that has a um, a model that that sort of offers these um, sectors in in a rotating fashion. But we thought we could do one better for some of those clients that wanted just the single ticker solution. We partnered with Macquarie Asset Management to develop the strategy and um, the fund holds the different sectors um, in the appropriate weights and uh, looks to outperform the broader benchmark. So it's an active fund using these passive tools, which is you know pretty common in the industry. Yeah, it's a really interesting fund, Tony. It's going to be um, exciting to see uh, the performance on that as we move through time. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, we're we're recording this right now on January 25th, and you launched three new ETFs today. Can you tell us about those? Sure. Yeah, really excited about these products. Um, this is, um, I like to call it, look, it's it's the best part of the investment grade market, right? The, the triple B... I think have long been understood by professional investors as um, the part of or, or or as part of the strategy to sort of beat their their benchmark um, sort of overweighting triple Bs has has been part of those strategies. So what we have is maturity focused uh, investment grade, but uh, one to five, five to ten, and ten plus. But instead of the full broad range of investment grade corporate bonds, it's just the best part. It's it's the triple B part that over the last 20 years has outperformed the broad IG market um, by 50 basis points um, without picking up any additional risk in terms of uh, default risk. So it's the same default risk we see in triple Bs as the broad IG, which also over that same time period of 20 years has been about 20 basis points. So um, really low default risk um, and and sort of an opportunity to outperform the broad market. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. A lot of uh, a lot of background on what you're doing and the stuff you've got coming out now. But uh, Tony, what can you tell us about what you've got on the drawing board? What's the what's the future look like? And has the name Bond Blocks kind of boxed you guys into uh, sticking with fixed income forever? Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> It's a good question. I, it might be a little awkward to do, uh, you know, thematic equity with a name like Bondbox, but um, that was part of the plan, to be honest with you. It was to deliberately and relentlessly be focused on one segment of the market. And, you know, focusing on fixed income is not a niche, right? You know, fixed income is, is, a, is a pretty big market. So we thought it was uh, well worth uh, the effort and and sort of the fixed income market certainly deserve the time and attention. By focus, we don't think about it sort of boxing ourselves in. We kind of think about it as we're experts, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're basically carving out, you know, a new way of thinking about this market, a new way to sort of find opportunities for clients. You know, that's that's kind of the sort of how we viewed it. Excellent. Well, good stuff. Thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for all the great information. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fighters episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week.